You're listening to the Church of Life and Praise podcast. If you'd like more information about our ministry, please visit us at churchoflifeandpraise.com or check us out on Facebook. Our prayer is that you would come to know Jesus in a deeper way. Now, enjoy the message. I'm going to just turn this for a little while, and uh, the emphasis is on a little while, um, <laughs> and uh, come and testify. Look at all this. This, this is what I'm speaking. No, I'm just joking. I had, <clears throat> I, I had something that I was going to share in depth, but um, it, it's hard to com- compete with what God just did, so I'm just going to share something short. When I say short, I'm not talking about Pastor Heard short. What'd you say, Ross? Sure. <laughs> he said, "Praise the Lord." <laughs> oh goodness! Um, first, I just want to say uh, what a blessing it is to be home and to be with family. Uh, some of you, I, I think I know everybody here. I know you. I know Brenda. Um, it's, it's really good to be home and and it's, and it's so awesome to see what God is doing. And I, and I would just, as you begin to, uh, go deeper into this, that you would also be praying for our church down in Florida. Um, it's a very young church, but they are very hungry for the move of God. Um, our pastors are, are very hungry. And, uh, so just, Please pray for our church. Um, they are entering into what what is going on here, and uh, so there's a, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of areas that God is stretching them and, and growing them. And uh, but Tampa needs it. Tampa needs a move of God. Everybody thinks that the South is the Bible Belt, and while that's true, um, there are so many people down there that are just struggling, and they're empty, and they're broken. Um, and so there needs to be a move of God. There needs to be a move of God across this entire country. So in your prayers, please, please keep Tampa and, and our church abide and Pastor Geo, Pastor Tyler, uh, in your prayers as they continue to minister. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to talk about today, just really short again, um, we, we come into, we come into church and I was, I was going to read this whole thing because God gave it to me in a specific way. And I was going to read the whole thing, and and um, you know my my dad's a preacher, mom mom speaks, and Deanna's a pray, and I'm I'm a writer. I, I I get really nervous when I speak, and I lose my train of thought. So God has really put into me just to read what uh, what He wants to share. Um, but but just to give you kind of a a a, pre, a, pre, a preface, so to speak. Um, one of the things God's been dealing with me um, is. Let me find it. Uh, one of the things God's been teaching me this past year is he will not take from us what we are not willing to give him. And so there's so many times where we come into God's presence and we say, God, take this. God, take that. God, take, you know, take my pain. Take this. Take that. But sometimes we've got to be, we've got to understand that God's not going to take it from us. We've got to be able to give it to him. And that's so important because, uh, well, let me share you, let me share, and, and I'm ad-libbing, and, and it's not like I had planned it, so excuse me, but I just want to share a vision with you, 
um, that God gave me back in back in 2020. Um, and as I was as I was in prayer on on in August of 2020, um, God showed me what it looked like. We're not willing to give Jesus the things um, that uh, Jesus. His presence is still really strong. Sorry. Just got to collect my thoughts. Apologize. Mm. I'm just going to share you with a vision. I was down in my, I was standing in the back of our church down in Florida in the center aisle. The place was packed full of people. As I stood there, I saw my pastor, Pastor Gio, and his brother Kenny at the front of the church in worship. I saw the worship pastor Covington and Destiny on the stage leading worship. As I looked towards the back of the stage and I, I saw Jesus, I was watching the, cho- the series, the chosen series at the time. So in my dream, he looked like the Jesus and chosen. He was sitting in a basic chair that was just uh, to the right of the stage. His eyes were joyful. His countenance was content and pleased. Every now and again, I saw him throw his head back in laughter as he talked with the people. He looked like a dad at Christmas time when all his kids were at home. He kept motioning the people to come and come to him to the altar. As Jesus motioned, I noticed that the people were dragging in heavy suitcases with cord tethered around one end of the suitcase and the other was tied around their necks. As they would pull and tug, they were all red in the face and completely exhausted. They drug these cases to the stage at the, and, at the, uh, to the stage and stood in front of Jesus. As they stood there, he talked to them and began to unpack the stuff in their suitcases. Each person he pu- unpacked individually. Then he reached up and gently untied the rope that was around their necks. The people collapsed to the floor exhausted. Jesus knelt down, picked them up kissed them on the cheek, and he held them close to his chest. Similar to the way a grieving parent holds a hurting child. I am not sure how long he held each one, but it was not a short time. Person after person came, and it was the same result. How they responded to his touch was was different. Some cried, some danced, some laughed. Some just stood motionless and stared in the eyes of Jesus with huge tears streaming down their face. Some wrapped their arms around him and held Jesus and would not let him go, and he did not push them away and held them as long as they held him. However, they did not rejoice alone. He rejoiced with each one. If they danced, he danced. If they cried tears of joy, he cried tears of joy. If they were belly laughing, he was right there with his hands on his knees, laughing uncontrollably. He was so overjoyed to set us free. It was an amazing sight to see how each person responded after they surrendered their weights to Jesus and he cut the rope of their bondage. Service went on for what seemed like hours. Hundreds of people walked by me. You could feel the thickness of his presence. After a while, the service ended. As people got up to leave, instead of going out with the peace and the freedom and the joy that Jesus had had given them, some of them came back to the altar and started to meticulously place the items that Jesus had freed them from back into their suitcases. Jesus would come over them and and try to stop them, and they kept packing their suitcases. He looked back to where I was standing, and he looked in my eyes with tears flowing down his face, and he said, Andrew, why are they packing? Tell them to stop. 
Tell them this is not a vacation. Tell them they are home. I want, I want them to live in my presence all day, every day. Tell them they are home. Someone please tell them to stop. Please tell them they are home. They do not have to leave. As I looked back to the people, they were now tying the ropes back around their necks and were all red in the face as they dragged their heavy suitcases out the door of the church. Person after person did this. As I looked back to Jesus, he kept saying to each one, please don't go. Please stay. Please leave your burdens, your pain, your grief. I am here so you don't have to carry them. Do you know who I am? I am your daddy and I love you. I am the one who created you and knows you best. Why are you listening to the noise? Why do you think you have to carry this weight? Why are you thinking you are not good enough to stay? Your mess and junk does not bother me. You can't, <clears throat> you can't just rest. Why can't you just rest in my goodness? You are home. Please don't leave. You are at home. Just rest. This is the rest. Uh, this is home. At the end, when the sanctuary was empty, I saw Jesus now looking sad and dejected, looking down at his nail-scarred hands as he started to walk out the side door. He said, so many only have a head knowledge of me, but are still not willing to give me their heart. They still believe the lies of the noise of this world and won't accept my grace and goodness. And because they don't believe I am a good father, they just, they fail to trust me and the power of my presence and that the sacrifice of my blood is good enough to make them happy and complete. But I will never give up. I will never stop reaching out to them. I will never stop loving them. I am all they need. I am the I am. And God gave that to me. <clears throat> God has been, has, has really been dealing with me, um, in this area. Because so many times back home at our church back home, we have such a rich presence of God in our, in our, in our sanctuary. And we, and we're talking about prayer and people are going to the, into the, into their, uh, their prayer rooms and they're, and they're crying out to God. And just to be a little bit vulnerable with you, there, there was a time a, a few months ago where I really got real with God and I, and I asked him, I said, God, I'm 48 years old. Should I, shouldn't have said that. I'm 48 years old. <laughs> And I said, I have been doing, I have been, I have been doing this for so many years. We're praying, we're seeking God's face. Why is it that we're not seeing the influx of souls? I said, is it, I said, is this all? The, and I was really vulnerable with God. I said, God, is this all there is? We come in, we come into church week after week, month after month. We cry, we pray, we're delivered at the altar, but then when the service is over, we come back to the altar and we take all the things that Jesus delivered us from and we take them out the door with us. We don't know how, and, and, and basically, I, I, when, I, when I prayed God to God about this, um, I asked him, I said, I said, so then, and I'm going to read it. So then God, why is it after 48 years of my life, are we still praying for a revival? Why have we not seen the great harvest we have been praying for, preaching about and believing for? His simple response was, you do not know how to remain and live in my rest. My children are impatient and will not take the time to rest in me. You're too busy trying to fix your own mess instead of leaving it at my feet. The minute you leave my presence, you pick it back up, and you, so you are not able to hear my voice. You pray and fast for revival like I'm a magical genie, and I'm just going to wave my hand and whoosh, the city or region will be magically transformed. And and the loss will come by the droves. You keep waiting on me to do something. You keep asking me to move, to pour out, 
but I have already done everything. In my rest, everything is complete. Instead, of, instead I am waiting on you. I am waiting on you to finally learn how con- to continually remain in my rest. When you live in my rest, there is stillness in your spirit. When your spirit is still, you can hear my whisper, even as the noise of this world swirls around you. You live, breathe, and move in my rest. So I began, I asked God, I asked God another question. I said, okay, God, why is rest and stillness so important? And what does it have to do with the barrenness of souls? And God said this to me. He said, there are ordained windows of time in every person's life that God brings, brings us all to, uh, that, uh, every person's life that God brings all of us to. A point where all the people get, a point where all people get so tired of fighting, so tired of running in continuous circles that they want, uh, they want to quiet the constant noise screaming in their minds. They just want peace. No matter if they believe in God or not, whether they go to church or not, they are so desperate and so sick and tired and are emotionally and physically drained from living in the pig pen of their jacked up life. When people come to this point, and all people get to this point, no matter how rough they look, no matter how many walls they build, no matter how, how hard their heart has come, they are so desperate for change that they are willing to crawl through mobs of people on their hands and knees in the mud, through animal urine and poop, with their nose inches away from stinky, sweaty feet, their fingers getting stomped on, people tripping and falling on them, on top of them, just to touch the hem of Jesus' garment, just to quiet the noise that is ravaging their minds. If our spirits are not still and we are distracted with our own issues and noise, we never hear the Lord's direction to minister to these people during these ordained windows of time. So when he comes in a whisper, we are ready, so that when he comes in a whisper, we are ready to move and to speak into the lives of those who are needing to hear life from their creator, love from their father, salvation from their savior. When we finally learn to continuously rest in him, the result of our rest will be an influx of souls because we will finally be able to hear the still voice of our Father, the souls that are lost waiting on us to step into their lives with an ordained message of hope, love, and deliverance. It's not a move, season, prophecy, or revival that we need. We need to stop all our doing and rest in Jesus. Quiet our spirits and give Jesus our everything so that he can hear our voice. I want to share a story right now uh, around that. Um, and, and again, and you'll understand why I say this at the end, but um, when me and Amanda first moved uh, from from here to Tampa 20 years ago, um, we moved to North Tampa, which is the ghetto. And when I say it's the ghetto, I'll give you an example. <clears throat> My uh, A friend of mine, his name was Goldtooth. <laughs> His name was Goldtooth, and uh, we, I would be, became friends with him, and we, we used to sit down by his car, and we'd just sit and talk and chat. One of the, one of the days we were talking, of the dumpster, and it was an apartment complex, and the dumpster was, was across the way, he looked up at me, and he goes, hey, Andrew, he goes, there's a really nice rug in that dumpster. I'm like, Goldtooth, I said, you don't want that, that's in the dumpster, you know, he goes, oh, because I can just clean it up and buff it out, you know, it'll be fine, it'll look good and under my TV in my apartment, I'm like, all right, whatever, and so the next day came, and um, I looked, I, I got up, we heard a commotion, I looked down, there was police everywhere, and I went down, and Goldtooth was kind of standing on the perimeter, I said, hey, I said, what's going on, 
He goes, I went and got that rug. I said, yeah. He goes, there was a little, there was a girl in it, a 16-year-old girl. So this is the, I, I wanted to set that up to tell you the kind of place we were, li- because once you hear the rest, it, 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 to me, it's mind-blowing. It, it might not be to you, but to me, it's mind-blowing. So we moved from Tampa to, to, uh, uh, to uh, we moved from Maine to Tampa, and we moved into the ghetto because it's all we could afford at the time. And so Amanda came down a month, about a month later, and she came down, she arrived on a Thursday. She started looking on a job on Friday, and she got the job on Friday, and she had to start on Monday. So I'm already working because I went down a month before. And she called me on the phone, and she's like, babe, what are we going to do? You know, we have a one-and-a-half-year-old son. She goes, we don't know anybody. She goes, There's no, we don't have money for daycare. We have, we have nothing. And I was busy and, you know, trying to be super spiritual. I said, just take it to God, and, and we'll talk about it when I get home. So <clears throat> little did I know that she actually did that. She grabbed Blake, picked him up, and just started crying over him and just started praying. Ten minutes later, a knock came at the door, and there was this, what was her name? There was this woman, I always want to call her Juanita, but uh, there was this woman that was at our door, and she said, um, I was across the, across the hall in prayer, and God showed me your face and told me to come over and tell you that I needed to help you. She goes, do you need help? And Amanda's kind of looking at her like, yes, but... It was a girl that was just killing our dumpster, and if you think I'm going to leave my one-year-old son with you, no. So it's that kind of thing. And so, so, we, uh, so that night, we went over. She called me back, and she says, hey, we've got, a, we've got a, a lady that just came over. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I said, you I said this isn't a family pet. I said, this is a one-and-a-half-year-old little kid. You think I'm just going to leave my son with some woman in the ghetto that we've never met before? So we went home. She goes, well, let's just go to dinner and let's just, let's just find out. Let's just see what it's all about. So we went to dinner and Juanita, uh, Yvonne, yeah, we'll call her Juanita because that's what I remember. I'm like my dad. I don't remember names. So anyway, <clears throat> so, uh, so we went over to their, their, their house for dinner and, uh, her husband, Terrell, his name is Terrell, whatever. Anyway. <clears throat> Um, her husband was, uh, said it, we were sitting down for dinner. He just started to, he just, we just started to pray over, 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 over dinner. And the spirit of God just fell into that apartment and we just started crying and they began to prophesy into us and began to go over all the hurts that we had. And they just basically read our mail for four hours. We sat in their apartment and God just miraculously moved into our hearts and just gave us complete peace and confidence. And so I felt really good, you know, I, I was, I was feeling wonderful. I got up, we left, and then I went to sleep. And basically, I went out the next day and I called every daycare on the planet. I'm like calling them and calling. And it was Saturday, so of course no daycares are open. And so, um, I, I called them, I called, uh, I called the, the every daycare. And then Sunday I got up and I did the same thing. And so Monday came around. We didn't have any daycare. And so I'm sitting here. And I'm just freaking out because now I've got to take my one and one and a half year old son and leave him with a woman in the ghetto that I had only known for a day and a half. And so I, at the time I was installing ATM machines. And so I was out installing ATM machines and I was, I was 
the whole day I was just worried. I was worried and stressed out. And, and so I told my boss the situation and I said, Hey, I said, you mind if I leave early? And so I raced back to the house and beat on the door like I was a cop with a search warrant. And she opened the door and I saw little Blake standing there with his moppy hair and toys were just everywhere. And I went in, I grabbed him. I said, thank you really quick. And I ran out of the apartment as quick as I could. And then I walked, I, I was unlocking the door in my apartment. And I remember just as clear as day, God saying to me with Blake holding in my hands, he says, son, I've got you. And I just lost it. I just lost it. And so the next, so they kept watching my son for a while. And I was blubbering. When, when, I, when God says, I got you, I mean, I think Blake looked like, looked like the, he had been slimed on Ghostbusters. There was snot and tears everywhere. Poor kid. I'm surprised he didn't drown. <clears throat> but I, I was just, I was just so overwhelmed by what God had done. But see, here's the thing, right? Like, like in, in my, in my, the vision that God gave me, so many times we come into church and we leave, and we leave, we feel confident that we can leave things at the altar. But then we don't feel as confident when we walk back out the door and real life hits us in the face. We don't know how to rest in his peace. We don't know how to rest in his love. And we don't know how to rest in the direction that God has just given us here. Because now the circumstance in here, they don't look as real. But when you step out those doors, life is real. And so I had to learn that that day that God had already done the work. But, and God had already defeated the enemy, but I had left and I went out, grabbed the enemy's sword and I fell on it and was trying to take the victory that God had already given me because I didn't know how to rest in him. And so it, Blake, we, Blake, the, the, the lady watched Blake, you know, for several months and there came a time in, in that relationship where Amanda finally went over to Juanita and said, Hey, we're going to be putting him in a daycare close to my work. And, uh, we're not going to need you anymore. Thank you so much. And, you know, and just thank you. And this whole time, this, uh, Juanita was taking Blake to homeless feedings, taking him to church on the, during the week and just all kinds of things that we would never have expected to find the place that we were, we were in at Tampa. And so Amanda said that on a Friday and Monday we went over, we were, we went over, we had some things that we were going to give them to say thank you. And we opened the door and we knocked on the door and the door was unlocked and we kind of just peeked in. And the place was empty. There was no one there. There was no pictures on the wall. It looked like it was completely just bare. Now, when I say, when I say that, some of you are like, well, a big deal. They moved. Well, we live right next to them, right? We live right next to them. I mean, our hall, if you ever lived in an apartment, they lived here, we lived here, and the apartment hallway was about as wide as this. And so basically when we went over there, they were gone. I mean, it was like they had never even existed. They didn't say goodbye to us. They didn't say anything to us. So we be- we can truly believe that there was it was it was angels that God had depart had had brought down to us to have to have him watch Blake in that time. But had I gone out and had I tried to do had, had I not got what I what I had to learn was through this whole situation is that I had to leave what God uh, what God had already done at the altar. And so that was uh, an an amazing that was an amazing point in my life that that God really showed me that we have to leave these things at His feet. And I know I'm, I keep repeating myself, but it's it's so true because even at my home at church, you know, we have such an amazing outpouring of God, but yet the influx of souls is not there. 
And why is that? I mean, and I, and I was very honest with God. I said, why is that? He says, it's because you're not, you're not, when you leave my presence, you're not staying in my rest. You're going out and you're continuing to fight the same struggles, the same sicknesses, the same, instead of leaving them, leaving them at my feet. And so, uh, and I've skipped way ahead. So that's a good thing because that means I'm almost done. And I don't mean to belabor this, so, but I'm, I, just, I just felt that I wanted to share this. So, so even in the midst of the noise of the crowd, Jesus' spirit, and again, we're going back to the earlier statement, even in the midst of the crowd, Jesus' spirit was so still, so quiet, that when the woman touched his garment, he stopped dead in his tracks and said, who touched me? He recognized that this woman was so desperate and ready for his touch because his spirit was still. He felt the desperation of her heart. Even with people pawing at him, grabbing at him, pulling on him, yelling at him, in that moment, Jesus' spirit remained still because he knew how to rest so he could deliver life into the areas of death and decay. His still spirit, uh, his still spirit could hear the cries of a heart ready for change. We keep waiting for God to do something, but I would challenge you by saying God has already done it all. Instead, God is waiting for us to rest and be still so that we can step into a person's mess and deliver his message of salvation, love, and deliverance. There was a, I don't know if you've, I don't know if any of you have ever, ever heard, uh, heard of Eric Gilmore. Um, he is part of the Jesus Church in Orlando. And that, and if you haven't ever heard of Eric Gilmore, I would encourage you to look him up. There's a book called Union um, that is an amazing book, and it, and it doesn't have anything to do with this, but I'm just encouraging you to get it. It's about how to have union with, with Jesus and how to rest in his presence. And in that book, um, he writes, resting in God's presence is the yoke that gives us direction and allows us to see the situation through the eyes of the one holding the reins. One way or another, we are all wearing a yoke and we are following something or someone. The question is, who do you want controlling your yoke? And then he wrote this, and I'll end with this. A life lived in his continual rest is a life satisfied, blessed, and in bliss with him. This is the salvation we offer the world. And I'll repeat that. A life lived in his continual rest is a life uh, is to live a life satisfied, blessed, and in His and bliss with Him. This salvation, this is the salvation that we offer the world. And I was going to, and I, and I, and if I had time, I was going to do, uh, I was going to share with you um, some of the things that that God is, has shown me. And I, I'll just one of the one of the areas that God has been teaching me in is is how to rest. You know, we we're able to do it here, and that's wonderful. And the presence of God is so rich and so wonderful here, but when we go out sometimes, we have a hard time getting to that point where we're saying, okay, I just got a tax bill for $4,000 that we have to pay. And in the past, and that just happened to us, and in the past, I would have gone out and just flipped out and just gone all kinds of crazy. And so, because $4,000 is a lot of money, and, and it's not like, you know, a credit card, we can just ignore it. It's the IRS, and, you know, it's God, IRS, and then everybody else. <laughs> and so, and so, um, 
So, so as God was, as God has been showing me this, this, how to rest in Him, um, eventually I'm like, God, okay. Cause there was a time when I was, when I would get into prayer and I would just get so frustrated and I would just get to the point where I just felt like it was just, I was just going through the rituals and I would, my times with God were just very ritualistic. And so I asked God, I said, God, I need you to show me how to rest and I need to know how to rest in you. And so, and I'm just going to read it. I was going to have us do it, but I'm just going to read it because God has already, God has already done a lot today. Um, it basically, I said, God, I said, uh, um, I said, God, how do you show me how to rest? He said, you have to continuously and intentionally practice it. I asked God, how do I practice it? And so this is actually the exercise I was going to have us do, but God, God chose it. And so basically what I do is when I, before I do anything, before I pray, before I worship, before I get into the word, I settle my mind. I, I go into my prayer closet and I just sit before the Lord. I don't say anything. I don't do anything. I just focus on Jesus and I just sit there quietly and I begin to see Jesus' face and I begin to see his eyes and I begin to see his nail-scarred hands and I begin to just sit there and look at him. And then in my mind, he's, he's stretching out his arms and he's, he's asking me to come to him and he's asking me to lay those things that that are discouraging me. He's asking me to lay the bills down. He's asking me to lay my job down. He's asking me to lay my, you know, the, the potential that I'm going to get laid off down. And so I do this every single day. And, and there have been times where I've been at work and I work in a building that has 10,000 people in it. And so the building that I work in, there have been times where I've been so stressed out and so worked up that I can't see God. I can't hear God. And so once God showed me how to do this, I will literally go in the bathroom and I will sit on the toilet and I will just sit there and I will just close my eyes. I won't pray. I won't say, God, take me out of it. I won't do anything. I will just literally focus on Jesus. I will look into his eyes and I will begin to say, after a while, I will feel God's presence in this smelly, stinky bathroom and I'll begin to feel his presence and then I'll just begin to talk to him and I say, Jesus, I give whatever the situation is to you. And the minute I say that, I just immediately feel peace and I just feel his love come over me. And so I would just encourage you today in closing that when you leave here, you can take what you have here with you out there. It's just you've got to learn how to continuously practice it. And continuously practice it doesn't mean you have a situation that comes up and you call your girlfriend on the phone and you start talking about it. And you Because then what you're doing is you're giving more glory to the issue than you are to God. And God doesn't want us to give glory to the issue. God wants us to rest in him and have peace in him. Because when you get up out of that bathroom and you go back into your job, there is pro- there could be someone that God is saying, go sit down beside them and minister to them. And again, when you minister them, it may not be a great big bolt of lightning. God may not strike. They may not fall on their face. But like in my story, my life story, it was all those times where people had come to me and set up altars and said, God wanted me to share this with you. God wanted me to share this with you. God wanted me to share this with you. That there was one night when I was in Tennessee and my life and my, our marriage was a mess. Our life was a mess. And I was laying in, in the, in the, the balcony of my in-laws house. And I looked up and we had just come off. We had just been out drinking and we're doing all kinds of stuff. And I just looked up to the Lord and I said, God, 
I said, if you're there and if you're real, I need to know that you exist. And I said, I am so sick and tired of living like this. And then all of a sudden, a rush of all these memories, the picture of my mom and dad praying for me, the word of prophecy that I was given by Pastor Sherwood when I was 18, all of these moments, because these people learned how to be still and learn how to hear God, all of these things came rushing back into my mind. And so I began to soften my heart. And at that time, I was not in a good place with my mom and dad, and I basically told my mom and dad, don't talk to me about God, I don't want to hear about God, I want nothing to do with any of it. I said, I don't want to hear it. And there have been times when mom, I didn't talk to dad that much because dad didn't care about what I said and he would just give it to me anyway, so <laughs> so I didn't talk to dad that much. <laughs> so, but there were times, and mom was a little more, mom was a little more delicate, I'm a mama's boy, I love my dad, but I've, I've been a mama's boy, so, because she spoiled me, I mean, I got an A in English because she used to write all my reports. <laughs> so, and dad didn't. Dad was like, he needs to do it on his own. I'm like, no, he doesn't. No, I don't. So, but there were times when after that time and all these things, I began to see and understand the goodness of God. And I began to understand that God was good and that God loved me for who I was right then. I did not have to perfect myself. I did not have to do anything of my own understanding. I did not have to be perfect before God. I just had to understand that God loved me. And it was at those times where my mom just began to drop little tidbits. I just want to let you know, son, that God loves you. I just want to let you know. And then as, as time went on, the things that God ministered into me they became became to be more deep and more deep and more deep and more deep and to the point where I'm at today, where I have such an understand, well, I am getting such an understanding of the love of God and I'm getting such an understanding of the goodness of God. And see, that's something else that we sometimes miss is we understand is we can, we can think that everybody else is good and everybody else is great, but we fail to understand that God is good for me. Well, that's good for Brenda. God's good for Brenda. Well, that's good for Blake. That's good for, hey, look, it's Mackie. I, I, I call him Mackie because that's what I was this tall the last time I saw him. Um, <clears throat> God's good for him, but he's not good for me. And so God began to share with me and God began to, to dump into me that God was good to me. And that God loved me just for who I was with all of my faults, even though I don't have many, all of my faults. <laughs> right? <laughs> and so, and so, but I just, I just wanted to, I just wanted to share this with you because when you leave here, and we all do it, it doesn't matter how deep you are in God, how much of the word you know, when you go back out there, life hits you square in the face. The noise of this world is so noisy. There is so many things bombarding you all the time. There's TV, there's radio, there's blogs, there's this, there's that. It's just noise, 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 noise. And if you do not know how to sit and quiet yourself, not running, no, excuse me, not talking over God, but sitting and just resting in Him. Because if you don't rest in Him, there are going to be times where you're not, where God, there's going to be an ordained time where you're going to be out there. Had those people in my life 
not rested in God and not heard from God and delivered to me at the time that God ordained that word, those altars that were set up in my life so that when God began, when God began to use my mom to minister to me, those altars in my life would have never clicked together and I would have understood, God, you are so awesome. And I began to take the, the hard places of my heart and I began to give them to God because God's not going to take. He's, we have to give it to him. And so when we are able to finally give those hard places, we're able to give our issues, we're able to quiet ourselves before the Lord, God can then say, you see that lady sitting over there at that table? Go over there and tell her I love her and then deliver this message to her. And then we get up and we like, and then you'll be get so discouraged because I've done it a few times since God has been showing me this. And I'm like, oh, you know, well, you know, that, that didn't happen because, you know, you didn't show up in lightning bolt and didn't save her and she didn't fall on her face before God right then. And it, nothing happened. But then he goes, Andrew, look at your life and look at how I used all of these situations in your life to then start to bring you back and start to chip away at these small things. Look at all the times that I, that I brought angels or brought people to, to protect your son. Look at all the times, look at all the jobs that I've given you that you were not qualified for. Look at all the things that I did for you when you were in, living in the ghetto and people were getting shot and put into dumpsters. Look at all the protection that I gave you. And then he began, then he starts to show me all the times where my mom and dad were on their face before God praying and where Pastor Sherwood was giving me prophecy. And I mean, that man, this was in the old church over there. That man came in and I was 17 years old and he passed, he was speaking, had, didn't know me from Adam. And he came back and I was very rebellious young person. And why are you laughing? (laughs) And he came back to that back. I was sitting in the back seat and he came back, sat down beside me and he read my mail. I mean, he told me situations. He told me people. He, I mean, it was amazing. And so as I was laying in the loft, in, te- in, in Nashville, Tennessee, with my, at my, in my in-law's house, all of these things came back and all of these things, and it just began to wreck me and God began to do a work in me. So I would just challenge you that as you leave this presence, do not leave this presence and let it stop at the door. Take this presence with you. Learn how to quiet yourself before God, and it's very hard to do. I'm a very, I'm very busy. I'm going 100 miles an hour, but I have had to take the time and practice it. And it is a struggle to practice being quiet because as you know, herds are not quiet. We like to talk and we like to voice our opinions, whether you want to hear them or not. So it's been very hard for me. It's been very hard for me to practice quietness. Because I'm always like, yeah, but God, yeah, but God. And God is like, shut up and just listen to me and just sit and rest in my presence and allow me to minister to you and to give you direction and to take the things that you're trying to fight on your own and let me deal with them so that I then can minister into your life so that then you can go and minister to somebody else. That is how, and that's where God has been dealing with me, that is how we are going to start to see the influx of souls that we've been praying for is to quiet ourselves because we can't fight battles out there 
and minister to people out there at the same time. Because God can't, when we're doing all the talking, God can't talk to us. And when we're trying to fight our bills and we're trying to fight our kids and we're trying to do all this stuff, God is sitting there. I'm like, okay, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for you to be quiet. Okay, I'm waiting for you to put down your agenda. Okay, I'm waiting for you to get off your phone call with all of your business people. Okay, I'm waiting for you to stop pounding hammers and nails. I'm waiting for you to get quiet before me so that I can talk to you. Because in his rest, our spirits are still. And when, his, when our spirits are still, we can hear his voice. And so that was basically what I wanted to share today. It wasn't that long. Not long at all. So that's all I got. I had some other things that I wanted to share with some people, but I, but I'm going, what? It was Pastor Short? It wasn't, past, it wasn't Pastor Short. Dad would still be on point two. Just a few, just one more minute. I just got one. <laughs> but I just want to, I just, I, I just wanted to say, um, I just wanted to say thank you to, to all of you. You guys, uh, I can feel your prayers down in Tampa. And um, I, I, I didn't get to say it. I, I said it last time I was here. Um, but I, I last time to, to some of the people directly into this church. But Pastor Ray wasn't here. And I, and I just want to say at this time I, that, Pastor Ray, you have been such a mentor and an inspiration to me that when I was going through, when I was a kid and we were going through all that we were going through, how you stood by my dad and how you lifted him up. And there have been several people in this church, and I, and I spoke to you guys the last time I was here, Pastor Russ, Pastor Jim, Ruth, uh, Charlotte, um, the Spoffords, um, Jesse Page, Emma Stevens. They, were some of, they are the, some of the people that have taught me what it looks like to love unconditionally and Pastor Ray, you are, you are one of those, one of those men that every single time I think of my mom and my dad and I think of this ministry, I think of your steadfastness. And I just appreciate, you don't understand as a, as a young man what it means to me when my dad was going through all the stuff that he was going through to know that there was a man of substance, a man of conviction that was holding my dad's hands up. And this, this, none of this would be here. Because I, I think all of you know Dad's testimony. None of this would be here if you and the others had not held him up in prayer. So I wanted to say that publicly um, because I, I didn't get to say that to you last time, and, and your wife the same way. I, I would not. I would not be in the place I would. I am today had it not been for your your support of my dad and support of this ministry. And so I just want to say thank you so much to all of you. I'm just so blessed that you're in my parents' life. Um, this is not their church. This is God's church, and God has brought this group together, and he is going to do some mighty things through this. And and I know that it's a, it's a daunting task to go out there in the state of Maine where those people are so hard and they're so, but you know what? Our God is bigger. Amen? Amen? And God is going to do things as, we, as you continue to move in this vein. And I want to tell you one, another thing, that because of the way that you're flowing, has radically changed my son, right? And I know I said I was stopping, but I had to say that. <laughs> One more thing, right? <laughs> so I has has radically changed my son, and I just want to thank you so much for being so humble 
and so tender before the things of the Lord. But don't leave it here. Take that presence with you out there as you go. Learn, find books on resting in God and learn how to rest. It is, it has completely changed my life over this past six months of the study that I've been doing on the rest of God. It has completely changed the way that I look at God. It completely changed the way that I, when I leave church, I go out and I, and I live life. It has changed me. It's changed the way I do things. I don't, I don't worry about, like, when we got that $4,000 bill from the, from the IRS, Amanda's like doing all this research and I just sat there and I'm just like, okay, God. And I went in my bathroom. I, I'm no, I went in my office and I just lifted my hands and I just sat there and I got quiet before God. And I just heard God tell me, I got this. Don't worry about it. And I did. I just left it and left God have it. So that's all I'm going to say. I'm going to shut up and let dad come up for the next 20, 30 minutes and deliver. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Amen. I won't be long. <laughs> Amen. That is the truth. Very truth. That was a beautiful, beautiful ministry, and I appreciate it, Andrew, very much. And uh, does my heart good, because I know the background. Amen. And to see this uh, young man, I can call him a young man in my age, and uh, standing in the pulpit ministering the Word of God. There was a time. <laughs> boom. And then uh, God gave him a wonderful young wife that keeps him right in tow. Praise <laughs> Lord. Amen. I just worship every day. And thank God for Amanda. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. This is a tremendous message. It was very good. And uh, let's learn from it. And um, um, we've been talking about, not lately, because we've had Pastor Foy, okay, with us. I'm always calling him Mac. It's Pastor Foy, a ministry. How many are really, really enjoying Wednesday nights? I, I mean, God, I think it's a great hand. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. And... Uh, how many really enjoyed this message today? Amen. Amen. It was awesome. And uh, let's just take a lesson. Let's learn how to get along. When you don't know what to do, get alone with God. And let him talk to you. Let him be quiet. Be still and know that I'm God. Sometimes I think we take that out of context. But still it means, uh, in all the, well, that, we don't take it out of context because it means he spoke to Israel that, and said, uh, be still and know that I am God. I mean, they were looking to other gods. They were looking to everything else. They were, they was doing a lot of their own talking and their own thinking and, and everything else. And, and God basically told them, be still. Quit all of this stuff that you're doing and listen to me. You're going to this God. You're going to this country. You're going to these people. Now be still. Stop. And know that I am God. That I am God. Okay, and so let's when, let's take this message with us, and when we get ruffled and and everything else, be still, know that He's God, and He's got your needs, and He's got you, Amen. That's what He said. He said, "I've got you, Amen." And uh, if I remember right, we had a we had a there was a prophet that came forth a while back in the church. Can you remember that? And God says, "I've got it, I've got it." 
In other words, let's stop our worrying. Amen. Praise God. Shall we stand? Is there anything else we need to do? I don't think. I think we've done it all. Just about. Amen. Thank you for being so wonderful and, and uh, staying and ministering and uh, letting while uh, my son ministered. And uh, praise God. All right. Really quickly before we, we didn't get a chance to do this during announcements. We were going to do it then. But Pastor Russ would like you to come. Um, these are all of the fish. There are 70 fish in here for one year of each of your lives.